You're listening to the Quince podcast. Less than a year before India's most popular state, Uttar Pradesh is headed off to the state assembly elections. The Yogi Adityanath government seems to be trying to focus on population control measures. On 9th July, the state government released a draft of the proposed Population Control Sterilization and Welfare Bill 2021 for public comments and suggestions till 19 July. And essentially what the draft proposals aim to do is make a two-child policy mandatory for those who wish to avail government benefits. Government employees who have two or less than two children or those who go for voluntary sterilization will get benefits like government subsidies on electricity and water, two extra increments in the course of their service and maternity and paternity leave for 12 months with full salary and allowances. On the other hand, violators will be barred from contesting in local body polls or from government jobs and promotions among other things. Now given India's soaring population, discussions on population control are anything but uncommon. However, the UP government's move is drawing a lot of flack on two fronts. While a lot of experts maintain that coercive measures do more harm than good and can lead to a distorted demography, the opposition believes that the up government's move is politically motivated given the impending state elections so how should we look at up's population bill can it achieve the goals that it intends to and where are the suspicions of this being a politically inspired move coming from analyzing the draft proposals in today's podcast will be our guest shailaja chandra the former secretary in the ministry of health and the first executive director of the jansankhya sthirata kosh or the national population stabilization fund and mr pavan k verma a former ifs officer and former rajya sabha member who has also served as an advisor to the chief minister of bihar nitish kumar you're tuned in to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and i'm your host shorbuli It has been forecasted that India will become the world's most populous country by 2027 and given the country's massive population discussions on population control measures have been ongoing since the very creation of India now the ruling BJP government has indicated before that this is an area of focus for them as well with PM Modi posing the concern of a quote unquote population explosion in his 2017 independence day speech which he said may cause quote unquote many problems for our future generations And just weeks before the UP government released the draft bill the Assam government too made a similar pitch and these are not the only states that have or want population control measures in place but coming to Uttar Pradesh in the last few days the Adityanath government has come up with a population policy that was released on 11 July which is the World Population Day with objectives to reduce growth rate maternal and infant mortality rates in the state but what is raking up the controversy are not the policies rather it's the draft bill for population control and just to elaborate a little more on up's proposed population bill the up law commission has justified the necessity of such a bill at this point of time saying that in uttar pradesh there are limited ecological and economic resources at hand and that's why it is and i'm quoting a few lines from the draft bill quote It is necessary and urgent that the provision of basic necessities of human life including affordable food, safe drinking water, decent housing, access to quality education, economic livelihood opportunities, power or electricity for domestic consumption and a secure living is accessible to all citizens. End quote. And in a bid to provide welfare to the entire population of the state, the UP government is promoting a two-child policy. Shailaja Chandra who's been the first executive director of the Jansankhya Sthirata Kosh 
says that it's a good thing that the UP and Assam governments have brought discussions on population control on the front burner. But she also believes that before implementing policies, what needs to be looked at first is where the problems of population growth are stemming from in popular states like UP and Bihar. Ms. Chandra talks about how low use of contraception is abetting the population spike in UP and Bihar and how the birth rate seems to be higher in rural areas in these high population states. Now, it's important to look at what are the contents and what are the aims and objectives sought to be served? And are they really going to have the desired effect? First and foremost, I am not quarreling with the idea of population and the need for population stabilization. And if anyone has to do something, it is Uttar Pradesh. Without going into the legality of the matter, I do feel that certain things have to be um, put on the table. And that is that the action to prevent unwanted pregnancies, particularly in Uttar Pradesh and of course Bihar also, is urgently required. The women in rural UP are still giving birth to four or more children in some districts. And the contraceptive prevalence rate is less than 10%. So can you imagine if an average district has a population of two or 2.5 million, maybe even three million, and if the couples in the reproductive age, 90% of them are not using contraception, in the in the uh, districts which have high fertility, it would be really disastrous. And that is what really required to be looked at on a granular level, not at a, at a, at a state level. Now, one of the measurements to chart population growth is the total fertility rate, which indicates the average number of children born by a mother. And while there are at least 25 states in the country which have a total fertility rate of below 2.1, it is the Hindi belt, which includes states like UP and Bihar, that has a high TFR. Yet, it's not the state's TFR alone that can give an overview of where exactly the problems of population growth is arising from in states like UP. What does, however, give us a better idea about the problem is the district-wise National Family Health Survey data. Ms. Chandra points out that as per the fourth NFHS data, even within UP, the TFR varies from district to district. There's also a variation along the lines of rural-urban divides, as she's already mentioned, but even educational and socio-economic divides are contributing factors. There is a substantial variation across the districts of Uttar Pradesh. And I'm going by NFHS 4 data. NFHS 5 data is soon to come out, and that would be for Uttar Pradesh. But even NFHS 4, we are talking about something about four years ago, five years ago, and it's not going to change drastically. So even if you go by the, their findings, what came out was that women in Uttar Pradesh are having children ranging between 1.6, those are European levels of fertility, 1.6 to 4.4 children per woman. The Tarai belt, that is at the foothills, the foothills of the, uh, uh, you know, along the, where the, hill, uh, the hills meet the plains, the Tarai belt, as it is called, towards northern UP and the adjacent districts have high fertility, while the Bundelkhand region has low fertility. In UP, couples rely much more than anywhere in the country on traditional methods, notably periodic abstinence, which has been found to be more than two times higher in UP compared to anywhere else in India. 
The failure rates of traditional methods of contraception have been reported to be very high and women always remain anxious and at risk and then they have to go in for abortions which is unfair to them and also risky because not all of them go in for medical termination early enough with the result that other methods are used which can be extremely harmful. In many districts, neither Hindus nor Muslims use modern family planning methods at all. In such a scenario, children will be born compromised at birth and add to India's burden of malnourished, stunted kids who will pull back the gains of having a young population. And so therefore, it is important that the whole subject of population and fertility and contraception be addressed. But at a granular level, it should really rivet on where is the problem. The problem does not lie in the urban areas. It does not lie in the towns and cities. It lies in rural districts. But while these are the problems that are fueling UP's population search, the question is, does the UP Population Draft Bill and its two-child proposal address the concerning issues? Can they achieve the goals that they intend to? First and foremost, Ms. Shailaja Chandra says that there's a bulk of population outside government workers in the state that the Adityanath government seem to be missing out on from its planning. She weighs in on why the proposals may fail to achieve the objectives. Listen in. A lot of people have said that this is um, a policy which has been made only keeping in mind elections, it's keeping in mind certain communities and that kind of thing. I am not going into that because that is not something that I am equipped to really comment on. But I certainly am equipped to comment on the, um, on the, on the possibility of such a law or the possibility of such a policy becoming a success. There I would say that these, neither the policy nor the law would be able to do what is eminently needed, which is to have a granular understanding of where high fertility is, it is well known the NFHS data gives it, even the district level health survey data gives it, and people should comb the villages that fall in those districts, target only those families, and it doesn't matter which community it is, and see that contraception is made available. Now, what I find odd is that there is a huge focus on what will happen to government servants who have two and even better if they have one child. If that is done, they will get all kinds of things like extra increments and um, loans for building houses and uh, fast track um, approvals for getting all kinds of other benefits. Of course, maternity leave, paternity leave, all those things which are very progressive have also been thought through. But the question is, even if Uttar Pradesh has a very large number of government servants, it is nothing, nothing compared to the size of the state. The population of Uttar Pradesh is about uh, 212 million, which is really the size of a country like Brazil. Uttar Pradesh by itself along with Bihar, is about 23% of the whole country. So therefore, to uh, really, you know, talk about government servants alone and give them so much primacy, I mean, they're a captive uh, group under your control and you can pretty much do whatever you want. 
But if you're going to visit them with any kind of punishment, well, that will also lead to problems because there will be all kinds of constitutional issues which will come up as a result of doing that kind of, it amounts to some sort of a coercion. There have also been simultaneous allegations that the UP government's move is politically motivated. While some are calling it election tactics, some others are raising the concern that such a legislation may stand to deepen communal polarizations in the society. But despite the fact that population control should be looked at seriously in the country, one of the reasons as to why the UP and Assam government's two-child policy proposals are drawing flak is because the Hindutva narrative has persistently attacked the Muslim minority community for alleged high birth rates, often circulating a claim that the Muslim population is set to take over India. And it's not just fringe right-wing groups that have been disseminating the propaganda of a threat from a growing Muslim population. Even BJP legislators have gone on record to make controversial allegations. Former Minister of State for Micro, Small and Medium Enterprises, Giriraj Singh, had said that an increasing population, especially Muslims, is quote-unquote a threat to the social fabric, social harmony and development of the country. While BJP MLA from Rajasthan, Bhavari Lal, had said that unlike Hindus, Muslims are quote-unquote worried about how to take over the nation by increasing the population. It's also worth noting that Assam Chief Minister Himanta Biswa Sarma had raked up controversy earlier in June by saying that, and I'm quoting him, quote, We can solve numerous social ills in Assam if the immigrant Muslim community adopts decent family planning norms, end quote. Even UP Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath has stated that the two-child policy is aimed at ensuring that there is a quote-unquote population balance among various communities. Mr. Pavan K. Verma, former Rajya Sabha MP and former IFS officer, says that the UP government's move is sending not a direct but a subtle and pernicious message to the Muslim community. I think that the political motivation is to try and ensure a message which is that the UP government is serious about reducing population. And a second and more perniciously subtle messages to the minorities, Hmm. especially the Muslims, Hmm. who are in popular perception, especially in the minds of the UP government, supposed to be having a fertility rate which is much higher than that of the rest of the population. Hmm. Whereas, in reality, the difference is highly negligible And ultimately, uh, there is a subtext of a communal agenda behind it as well. Uh, It is not stated explicitly, nor is it uh, drafted for that purpose. But uh, the aim of this move, as also for the Love Jihad bill, which had come in earlier, seems to be clearly directed also against the Muslim minority in order to consolidate the Hindu vote. And that is the political content of the action, which is, uh, I believe, one of those unsustainable shortcuts to an enduring uh, population control policy. But can this move stand to deepen communal polarization? Mr. Verma believes that beyond this draft bill, if we look at some of the other legislations passed by the UP government, such as the Love Jihad laws, these legislations seem to be aimed at demonizing the Muslim population. 
if this move is clubbed to other moves taken by the ruling dispensation today, hmm. then it clearly shows a pattern by which hmm. the aim is the demonization of the minority community hmm. uh, and the need to consolidate the Hindu vote on some issue which is transcendent of caste and local concentration. Hmm. So that pattern seems to be explicit and uh, uh, it could be seen very clearly also in the bills that were brought against love jihad, hmm. which infantilized a decision by a woman to make the choice of her own spouse uh, and uh, assume that all... Uh, marriages which are based on mutual consent of adult couples are a question of uh, a love jihad. But if the objective is really to control population, then can coercive policies be able to tackle population growth? One important factor to look at is how China's coercive measures led to a demographic distortion in the country. But as it turns out, these proposals from UP and Assam even go against the centre's own notions on family welfare programmes. Recently, in 2020, the centre had told the Supreme Court in an affidavit that family welfare programmes in India are voluntary in nature. And I'm quoting a few lines from the centre's affidavit. Quote, International experience shows that any coercion to have a certain number of children is counterproductive and leads to demographic distortions. End quote. So what are the alternate ways or more ideal ways to reduce population growth? Ms. Chandra tells us about some of the pilot strategies that were tried out and had yielded positive results before. When I was in the Janasankhya Stirata Kosh, we tried two or three strategies. And I think those strategies, although they were pilots, worked. And they were tried in districts, very, very poor districts. They were tried in Rajanandgaon, in Chhattisgarh. They were tried in Barmer, in Dholpur, in Nabrangpur. Uh, these are all, you might say, the less, um, I mean, the, the, the more poor districts of the country. But we took up pilots and the whole idea was that we in the Jansankhya's Kosh, which, is an, which was an autonomous body under the health ministry, and the union health minister was the um, uh, president. Now, with the approval of the governing body, I steered through their approval to be able to incentivize various things. This is not coercion, remember, this is incentivization, which means you don't put any punishment, you in fact reward. And what did we reward? We rewarded Uttar Daitva, Matritva, Pitritva, responsible parenthood. And what we did in those days, I'm talking about 2006, 7, 8, 9, that is around the time when we did this. We said that in the districts that we choose, because naturally we were not big enough to do it in every um, um, the, throughout the country, and we were focusing only on the high fertility states and districts. So we said, if a girl is married at 19, not 18, which is the legal age, and we know very well that quite a few girls are married at 17 and 16, be that as it may, we said that if a girl is married at 19, and she gives birth to the first baby at uh, 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 not a year later, but at 21. And the second baby is born three years apart so that there's spacing. 
Well, for every one of these milestones, if it's a boy baby, you will be paid a post office savings certificate of 5,000. And if it's a girl baby, 7,000 and cashable in six years. And that was done. It was given. And I do remember that we went to these uh, districts and the collector had a function and we gave these awards. I signed on the one side and the collector signed on the other. And people said, And then the district, um, you might say, newspapers covered it. And that was a means of building awareness that you got the money for being responsible, that you allowed the girl to stay free of anemia and uh, malnourishment and all that most girls are affected by so that she could be in good health when she got married. She could be in good health when the first baby came and the child was in good health by the time the second baby came. The childbirth is what you want to avert. The later childbirth is what you want. It's not a question of coercion of I'll not let you have more children. It is the when that matters. So therefore, I would have said that that would have been a wonderful way of being able to really get the attention of India and the world because that is something that would have given dividends in no time. She also says that the registration of marriages and births will have to be looked at from a different perspective. Second, I do feel that this whole thing of uh, registration of marriages, deaths uh, and births has to be looked at afresh. When I was in the Janasankhya Stirata Kosh, we found that the Sarpanches and BDOs were merrily signing off any girl, even at 16, 17, that she was 18 years old, because people wanted to marry off their daughters young. You pay less dowry and people want a young bride, not an old bride. With the result that when we asked the Sarpanches, they said, Kya, hume koi election nahi jitna hai? Mr. Verma says that the only enduring way is to invest in health and education. The alternative way is the only enduring way, which is to invest in health and education. Hmm. Education specifically for women, hmm. so that they can make informed choices with regard to their own reproductive consequences. It is not as if those who have two children or one have an extra cranium in their brain. Mm. It is because of education, better access to health, that they are able to make informed choices about their own well-being and the future mm. as they want to carve it out. Mm. When you couple lack of education, especially among women, Hmm. and link it to poor health infrastructure, and link both of these two situations of abysmal poverty, Hmm. then you have a situation where people, even against their will, Hmm. will probably have more than two children, although consciousness has gone up about the smaller family. And that has gone up primarily because education among uh, women has gone up hmm. uh, over the years. So uh, these are these shortcuts about trying to impose it by fiat hmm. 
unless you also invest in these goals on health and education and rectify the inequities of the system yeah. is unlikely to work uh, except as a propaganda and that's a wrap for this episode but for more analytical stories on up's two child policy check out the quin website if you like listening to this episode please subscribe to the big story playlist for episodic updates we'll have on apple google podcast spotify geo7 and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms for other podcasts please log on to the quin website and check out the podcast section for any feedback shoot an email to podcasts@thequin.com Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.